Hello, and welcome to What's Going On, Eyes on Africa and the Caribbean. Join us as we follow social and economic development issues in and around Africa and the Caribbean. If it relates to Africa, the Caribbean, and the people of the African diaspora, we'll talk about it. What's Going On, Eyes on Africa and the Caribbean, wants you to stay connected to the people and places that you love. So join us. We're your hosts, Maranke Ocean Martin and Grace Ocean. Welcome to What's Going On, Eyes on Africa and the Caribbean. My name's Maranke Ocean. It's no secret that entrepreneurism is the backbone of a growing economy. Over the years, entrepreneurism has fueled the economies of countries such as India, China, Brazil, and many Eastern European countries. Yet, for the most part, many African countries lag behind. In Nigeria, for example, where the information communication and technology sector is one of the fastest growing, according to a report by the Center for Global Development, in 2020, and despite the COVID-19 pandemic, the tech industry contributed to 15% of Nigeria's gross domestic product, second only to agriculture. And this trend has been growing over the last five years with the sector growing at 18% between 2016 and 2019. This growth has positioned Nigeria as the largest tech market on the African continent, with 90 tech hubs and a growing and vibrant customer base, according to the report. The report estimates that the sector is on track to add at least $88 billion to the economy by 2027. Yet this growth hasn't translated into jobs for Nigerians' growing youth population. In fact, in 2017, the sector only employed 497,000 people, or 1% of the population. So what's going on? The report suggests that it's a lack of digital skills among the youth population we put the question to our guest today, Shagun Johnson, who is a tech entrepreneur, to find out how he's coping and what's going on. Shagun Johnson is the owner of Johnson's Code, a digital agency that does web development and also graphic designs and branding. Johnson's Code serves clients from all over the world. It's a pleasure to have you join us today, Shagun. Thank you, Marinka. It's, it's, it's my pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Wonderful. It's a pleasure to have you, too. So tell us, Shagun, how long have you been in business? I've been in business now roughly five years. Okay. Yes. And how satisfied are you with the current state of affairs, with the business and the work that you're doing? Actually, I would say I'm pretty satisfied. Not totally because, you know, because of the goal and the vision for the company, we keep pushing on despite the, the economic hardship and the challenges that we are facing running our businesses. But, you know, those little milestones that we tend to climb and little achievements is a reminder that we're actually doing something great in an economy that is so difficult. So I would say, yes, we're pushing, yes. 
So what, what are those goals and visions? Give us one. Okay, so one of the goals for Johnson's Code is Nigeria is, is a country whereby only a few people, not until recently, that we start having new people get sensitized about the digital world. So Johnson's Code is set out to actually make people see reasons why they need to understand this new global phenomenon, which is the tech world. And by creating Johnson's Code, we have the goal of actually employing younger youths and even teaching them some things about the digital space, be it the web designs, be it the web development, and even graphic design. So it's a way of reaching out to people and also giving back to the nation because, you know, the world is actually tending towards the digital world now compared to where we used to be. So we need to also catch up with the pace. So that is pretty much the goal for Johnson's Code, giving back to people, letting people know the importance of the tech world. Help us understand what some of those challenges are for you as a young entrepreneur. I mean, you're all of 32 years old, right? Yes. So so can you detail for us some of those challenges that you, your company is facing? And then let's talk after that about some of the possible solutions to some of these challenges. Okay, first of all, I would talk about, as a young entrepreneur wanting to start a company, the first thing that comes to your mind is, oh, I have this beautiful idea. How do I implement this? The first thing that comes to mind is capital. And capital is the first and the biggest challenge of any entrepreneur in Nigeria because of access to loans. Mm-hmm. Recently, we just started having some companies that, you know, give loans to people. But nonetheless, right now you still find out that it's very difficult for you to get access to the kind of loans that you need as a business. You know, because many a times when you apply for loan as a business and they'll tell you, oh, your credit rating is this, is that, or maybe you can only get access to maybe 10,000 error when you're actually looking forward to maybe, oh, I need $2 million to start up this company. Wow, that's a big difference. And all 10, you can... 10,000 10, when yes. you need $2 million. So, so it's actually a very big challenge. And there are so many young individuals in Nigeria who have great and beautiful ideas to change the world. And it doesn't even have to... It doesn't have to be just the tech world. There are some guys who are in the engineering world, who create automobiles and and so many other beautiful things. But the capital is one of the biggest challenges that any entrepreneur is facing currently in Nigeria. Access to loan is quite difficult. Yes, it's quite difficult. And even the ones you get are not even sufficient to start up the company. Then the second challenge that, that we all are facing as an entrepreneur, as a B company, as anybody running business in Nigeria, is electricity. The current state of electricity in Nigeria at this moment is close to non-functional, epileptic, unreliable. And this actually makes, you know, we business owners to depend solely on generators to run our business. You know, when I talk about generators, you can't even depend on one generator. You need at least two because one could just decide not to work anymore, right? right? 
So you need at least a backup generator in case if one goes off. So how long huh? how long does each generator run for? Or is that unpredictable also? Actually, sometimes provided the generator is well serviced, mm -hmm. you know, it can actually run all day. Mm -hmm. Right? Well, you know, it depends on the maintenance. Right. So in the process whereby one generator is undergoing maintenance, you need another backup generator to keep running the business. Gotcha. Because you never can tell when the power will be restored. So you can't base your business on power, on electricity in Nigeria. Mm -hmm. So by so doing, you need to buy fuel every day. And what the fuel price in Nigeria is saying right now is really on the high side compared to the costs of living and even the, the, the minimum wage people are making. The petrol price has increased, the diesel price has increased. By so doing, we also have to increase our cost of service. And like we all know, as a web developer, we are in a very tight and competitive space. Yes. You know, there are several web developers in, in the US, there are several web developers in India who would offer almost, almost the same service for even lesser. So imagine, Imagine yourself in a pool of developers that are willing to offer a service for X amount of dollars, and yours is like times two of what you're offering. But it makes it very challenging getting clients. So only those clients that are really familiar with your work and the quality of what you deliver would come back to patronize. Right. So it makes it very challenging to, to secure clients. And you know, if you can't secure clients, you don't even have money to run the business. Right. Right. Then I think I think the last thing that I will talk about as a challenge is the internet service providers in Nigeria. Mm -hmm. We are actually in the 21st century and internet shouldn't be one of the things that we should concern ourselves about. Imagine being in an important meeting only for your internet service to just go down on you. It makes you appear unprofessional and as though you're not ready for business. Right. And some clients could just, um, some clients wouldn't take that lightly and, and they'll be, uh, and they'll have the opinion like, oh, if he doesn't have a good internet connection, then how can he manage the work I'm about to give to him? And that then makes also sense. The that makes sense, yeah. right? How yeah. do you counter yeah. that? So what I do is I have virtually all the internet providers network. So I have several routers. So what if one goes up in the middle of a, of a meeting, I tend to switch to another broadband. Right. If that one goes up, I tend to switch, just keep switching to, you know, different broadbands oh in the middle goodness. of the meeting. Wow. In the middle of the meeting. So I could be out for about five minutes or, or so. I Imagine being out for five minutes in the middle of an important meeting. Yeah. It's very unprofessional. And it's something beyond our control because, you know, we are purchasing for this service and it's so unfair having to purchase for a particular service and you're not getting what you paid for. And who's, respons our... who's responsoring for regulating your internet service? Oh. Are, they okay. are they regulated? Yes, they are regulated. They are regulated. And what I do not understand is... Since they are regulated, right, there should be a certain threshold or like a starting standard mm -hmm. for each broadband to operate. 
For example, in the US, we have 5G connections. Mm -hmm. While in Nigeria, we are still struggling with 3G and 4G. Oh my God. Not in all locations. Yeah. Not in all locations you get 4G connection. Wow. There are some locations. There are some locations you have to put your broadband as high as your as your ceiling in order for it to get reception. So imagine staying or having your office in such a place. So for you to get an office space in Nigeria, the first things or the criteria to getting an office space is you need to check what the power supply is in that particular area. How is your internet connection in that particular area? So you can't just go and you know rent an office space anywhere you like. Mm -hmm. So you need to be sure of what the internet connection of that area is. There is not all service providers that work in a particular area. There are some particular areas that only NTN is perfect. While there are some particular areas only glue is perfect. <laughs> and there's some areas that all the networks are just fair. Right. So it's very challenging. My goodness me. That sounds pretty frightening when you're talking about a tech industry. The fact that you can't even depend on the internet and you have to get all of them in order to be able to switch when necessary. That's a lot of work just by itself. And also pretty expensive. Actually, because you need to, you need to at all time have data on all those other networks as well. Because in case if anyone goes down, we will still be online. Because our jobs is solely on based on internet. Right. So we need to be online every second of the day. Wow. So th those are three big challenges for you. Those are your three main areas of concern. Yes. Okay. I would limit to that. Yes. Okay. So what do you think the government can do to strengthen, to deal with those as solutions to those challenges? Okay. From my own perspective, from what I've gathered, for example, speaking about the electricity, you know, it is not actually impossible to have 24 hours electricity in Nigeria because countries like Ghana, that just grew up years after Nigeria. In Ghana, there's 24-7 electricity, you know, makes it easier to run businesses. So having 24-7 electricity in Nigeria is not impossible. I just feel our government needs to create some standard, right, to tackle these difficulties. Because it's not just limited to we entrepreneurs alone. Mm -hmm. It goes, it cuts across even our personal lives Absolutely. because the same way we don't have electricity in the office, we don't have in the house. So you're running in the, you're running generators in the office, you're running generator in the house. So I, I believe our government, our government needs to <laughs> actually sit down and decide to change this because it's, it's not above what they can change. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a government thing because it's not an individual thing. Right. So it's a government thing that they need to increase the supply or probably switch to, you know, there are some, there are some states in the U.S. that what, what they depend on is turbine, right. windmills, you know. So we could do all of these things too, just okay. to tackle this issue. Yes. Then when it comes to... 
Go ahead. Then speaking about the loans, the capital mm -hmm. for starting up a business, I believe a finance institutes can actually um, an avenue whereby they recognize a startup. They shouldn't expect a startup to have X amount of dollars or X amount of credit rating in their accounts for, before they can actually get a loan. So I believe they need to review their policy and make it more lenient for new entrepreneurs to be able to explore. Because in return, if all entrepreneurs have access to these loans, then before we know it, a whole lot of people becomes entrepreneur. The economy of Nigeria tends to grow. Right. Exponentially. Absolutely. So the idea is that a lot of startups, uh, and it's true here in the United States too, a lot of young entrepreneurs come in without credit rating, without all those requirements for a mm -hmm. standard loan. So there should be something, there should be a mechanism in place to recognize mm -hmm. that you're coming in with ideas and we should have a certain type of loan for you to recognize mm -hmm. that you're starting out clean, essentially. Mm -hmm. Yes, okay. pretty much it. Mm -hmm. And what about the third one, the internet situation? What's a possible solution um, there? First off, it's pretty much similar thing to the electricity and the loans. For, for the internet, there is a standard which we should follow. So I believe the internet regulation companies should give all these telecommunications company a specific standard to follow. Right. Oh, your broadband shouldn't be lesser than uh, 4,900 megahertz or gigahertz or what have you. And you should be able to provide 5G network, 4G network, and 3G network, you know, at maximum speed. Right. So those... Right those now, are, the so maximum... Those are, so Sorry. So yeah. those requirements are not there? They're not there. If, if they're there, then they're not being followed. Because if they're being followed, right, if they're being followed to the later, then 3D, 3, 3G shouldn't, shouldn't be struggling to browse. Sometimes I could be on a Zoom meeting and then I, I'll start sounding like I'm underwater. Yeah. And the client will be like, oh, Shego, I'm, I'm losing you. Shego, I'm losing you. I can hear what you're saying. So I believe if we have, even if we don't have the 5G, even if it's the 4G, optimize the 4G in such a way that it serves the population. If we need to go broadband or wired um, cable, let's go wired cable. Although wired cable might be more expensive to run because they need to run broadband cable throughout every offices and every homes, which is, you know, understandably expensive. Right. But for the wireless, they, there is a standard they can optimize it to in order to cater for the general public. So I believe it is currently substandard because... We all travel and we get to know oh, internet in other countries are way better. Mm -hmm. So we can achieve it as well. So we're, we're supposedly at 6G at this point. Aren't we working on 6G I, I, in some areas? <laughs> are we actually struggling with 3G and, and you're 4G? you're struggling with so 3, 3G. <laughs> I, I can't remember the last time we were dealing with 3G here. Very so, interesting and very sad. 
to here. So I know that not too long ago, the government established a an agency to deal with the tech industry, and I can't remember the name of it offhand. Is that see, working? What can they do? What can the government do to strengthen this tech industry, which, as I said before, is supposed to be a major contributor to our gross national product? Okay, first off, I think the major thing is sensitization. A whole lot of people in Nigeria at this moment do not know so much about the tech industry. Okay. You know, speaking of tech industry, it cuts across so many aspects. We have the data scientists, the data analysts, um, the data analysts. We have, you know, designers. We have, um, we have engineers. So, but when you don't get to know about a particular opportunity, it becomes even harder to, to conceive the idea of learning it. Right. So I believe the first step is sensitization. Then although some companies like Google have actually started some boot camps in Nigeria, you know, they teach people mm-hmm. how to develop web development, web designs, and they offer certificates as well. Mm-hmm. So I believe things like this, if other companies as well come to Nigeria to sensitize people about some of these opportunities, it will actually go a long way in bringing the Nigerian youth up to speed with what, because if if 20% of the Nigerian youths are well-informed in terms of tech or acquire one tech skill or the other, then those percentage of, those fraction of, or segment of youths would not be waiting for employment from the government. Right. Then on the, by themselves, they can actually start working freelancing or remotely for a company in the U.S. whilst being in Nigeria. And, and you know, they get paid in, in dollars. In return, the economy of the country is growing because dollars keeps coming into the country through these people. Yeah. Then it would decrease the rate of unemployment. For example, I studied civil engineering in the university mm-hmm. and I'm working as, as a web developer, uh, UI UX developer, um, designer. Mm-hmm. So it's actually way, way different from what I actually studied in school. Right. But because I got informed early enough and I knew having to wait for government to provide job might take forever. And the cost of living in Nigeria is gradually increasing. For over a year now, it has increased by 26%. Wow. And the, min- and the minimum wage still remains the same. Imagine uh, um, your minimum wage being at a fixed point, uh, and the cost of living has increased by 26%, meaning your minimum wage can't take you through the month. No. Let alone for you to, you know, to live a good life. Or you can't even, even survive, dec- let alone. Or even a decent life. Even a life. decent. Mm-hmm. Yes. So it's, it's, so I believe the way forward is sensitization. Once the youths get to know about any digital skill, any digital skill. There are so many. For example, if you get an Upwork or Freelancer or Fiverr, as a young individual, you can get jobs there and you get paid without having to wait for the government to give you money or to give you employment. Mm-hmm. By so doing, it will, it will reduce the crime rate in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. It will reduce the unemployment in Nigeria. 
it would um, increase the standard of living of people and it would also increase the economy of Nigeria. Absolutely. That all makes, makes sense. I guess it also leads me to the report from the Center for Global Development that highlights the biggest problem. Everybody is well aware of the infrastructure issues that you have indicated as being major problems, the, the electricity and stable internet. And they, have, they identified that despite the need for enhanced digital skills within the Niger Nigerian economy, which is what you've just highlighted, it said the tech training infrastructure is not adequately set up to provide them. And the, the young people need to be trained and that there are few formal training courses available by universities and higher education institutions in the workplace and through trainee programs. And also the difficulty for trainers to source training material. You mentioned that the, if, if the youth were sensitized to this digital economy as an opportunity for progress, they would jump at it. But yet this report says that the formal training is prohibitively expensive for the average Nigerian youth. Would you agree with that assessment? Actually, I do agree because um, getting the digital skills, paying for a course online is quite expensive. Mm -hmm. Although recently, firms like Udemy, Shure Academy, you know, they've been offering these courses for lesser price, yes. very affordable price. Right. They are very affordable. But the only challenge with those courses are they only teach you the peripheral, like the icing at the top. Right. So once you graduate, you know, in Shaw Academy or Udemy, you just know a glimpse of the field. But you don't get to know the in-depth because, you know, they get to teach you for maybe, I think, a month, it's like about, three yeah, weeks there about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and three weeks is not enough to know the in-depth of just JavaScript. Right. <laughs> yeah. Or, okay, you want to go into um, Node.js? Three weeks is not enough to learn all of those. And within three weeks, they want to teach you HTML, CSS, JavaScript, and maybe Python. How do you tend to learn all of those in three weeks? Yeah. Then, meaning you have to go for further learning, you know, visit some resources on, on online to gather more information. So they don't really tell you, give you the in-depth information you need. Then I, I believe, I didn't mean this has been incorporated in our institutions in Nigeria. It should have made it more extensive because an average institute in Nigeria spends, I think, about three years mm -hmm. to get a degree. Right. So imagine studying web development for three years. That will give you an ample time to know virtually all you need to know. So at the end of the day, all the short courses just give just create half-baked, you know, half-baked skilled workers. That is why you see so many skilled workers on Fiverr and on um, Upwork and the likes. 
And at the end of the day, you employ them to do something for you. And at the end of the day, you get to see something different from what you told them you wanted to, yes. to achieve. Yes. Just thinking about this too, what they also need are internships, trainee programs. Yeah. It's one thing to sit and learn this in the classroom. It's quite another to actually do it. Right? Yeah. So how did you get your training? Actually, <laughs> it's a long story. <laughs> okay, but um, while, while I was in school, mm-hmm. I actually started web development in school. Right. And I was studying civil engineering. Mm-hmm. So I needed to, I, needed, I, I did an assessment of the current economy of Nigeria. Then I estimated, okay, how long would it take me to start making X amount of dollars or X amount of Naira as a civil engineer, mm-hmm. as a junior civil engineer. Then I realized, oh, Shagun, if you're going to wait for this, you have to wait a long time. So I thought, okay, what can I do to conquer this current economic crisis? Because I can't afford to leave school and, you know, living a less decent lifestyle. So I thought to myself, then I did a research on the internet, then I checked some high-paid jobs mm-hmm. on the internet, then I realized, oh, web development is one of the highest-paid jobs in the world. Mm-hmm. Meaning, if I learn this course, I can actually work anywhere in the world without even leaving the comfort of my room. Wow, beautiful, right? Then I said, okay, how do I learn this? Then I took up an online course. Then one thing is, it is actually very difficult learning a skill online without somebody physically directing you, asking, although it was an interactive online course because I could ask questions, mm-hmm. but it wasn't as, as good as, you know, having someone you can always run to when you have this hiccups or that hiccups. So it was a bit challenging, but because of the focus, I had a focus that I must try to live above average or at least decent enough. So that was my drive. I started taking courses online. Mm-hmm. Then it was quite interactive, although a bit challenging because there was no physical person to direct me on these or tell me, oh, this shouldn't be there, that shouldn't be there, right? Mm-hmm. So, but because of the goal, which is to live above average, I kept on going. But what truly helped me was after the course I took, I was recommended to... To, to work as an intern for someone. Okay. So the internship part is what did the difference. Yes. Not the courses I took online. Exactly. Discouraging after taking so many courses. And, you know, if you don't get to have a client one month, two months, three months, you lose the skill right. over time. Right. So I took up an intern job. It was very low paying, but it kept me, you know, solving problems, solving problems, and I became better by the day. So internship cannot be underestimated. I agree with that completely. So one of the things they were saying is (laughs) is, uh, promoting, this is the same report that I'm looking at, promoting managed migration partnerships, um, whether it's with Europe or whether it's with the U.S., obviously the U.S. with a lot of its immigration policies making things a little difficult. But apparently a lot of Nigerians, because of the challenges that you articulated today, are seeking 
uh, opportunities abroad, that they're taking their qualifications and seeking opportunities abroad. But what's interesting about it is that many of them are returning to Nigeria. And uh, there's some examples here. There's a company called Jumia. I don't know if it's still, it's a Nigerian e-commerce hub and one of the first uh, tech startups in the country. Mm -hmm. Uh, Several diaspora returnees have founded companies employing several thousand, including, and tell me if some of these companies still exist, Iroko TV, Flutterwave, I know that I read about them recently, and Bamboo. And yet it says that these companies are coming back to do some of the things that, that we're talking about today and supposedly open the door for these trainee internship programs. But it says, yet this role for migrants going abroad and then coming back as drivers of human capital and job creation is rarely discussed within Nigeria. Would you say that's true? Or what are your thoughts on that? I would just... Are they, are they coming back and bringing jobs? What, what's going on? Actually, there are, some are coming back and bringing jobs. Like mm-hmm. the few you've mentioned, mm-hmm. the Jumia, you know, Jumia has employed quite a number of staffs. Mm-hmm. You know, they have offices in almost all the states in Nigeria. Wonderful. Um, the, yeah, the Flutter Wave is actually, you know, making waves in Nigeria. Yes. And they have quite a number of staffs as well. Right. So... Some of these com- some of these individuals are actually coming back, which is quite good because you know them being back in Nigeria shows it, it, it's more of like an enlightenment to to people that do not know all of these things existed before. So now people know, oh, I could be this, I could be that, right? And you know, by so doing, they they've also created opportunities for internship, right? You know, taking up you know young youths. Um, they have boot camp programs to teaching and all of that, so which is quite very good, which is quite very good. So, yeah, so this, is, this is probably back, something yeah. that we need more of. Yes. Yeah, so, so is this something that could be part of your mission too, to get to the point where you can also provide internships to, to yes. people, or is that way down in the future for you? Actually, I wouldn't say way, way, way down in the future. I would say the nearest future okay, because good. we are almost there. Wonderful. Yes, we're almost there. Yes. Wonderful. So how many people do you employ right now? Um, I would say it's a startup company, so I have about five staffs. Okay. Digital, yeah. That's five good. For, for a startup, absolutely. Yes. So we talked about all these big tech companies that have moved into Nigeria, but I also get the sense that they seem to have one foot in the door and one foot out. That's to suggest that there appears to be a lack of commitment, it seems, because some of the issues that you're talking about in terms of the internships, in terms of potentially providing capital funding. Apple is big on funding on a number of things. And Microsoft, I mean, Bill Gates talks an awful lot about funding startups. Is it a lack of commitment from them or are there genuine issues of concern that you think prevents them from fully engaging in Nigeria? Well, 
I wouldn't say they are one leg in, one leg out, totally. Okay. Because they have a couple of friends who have been employed by one of these big companies. Okay. You know, like AXA. Okay. Like AXA, you know, we have Microsoft. Yes. Quite a number of people also have been employed by Microsoft in Nigeria. Okay. So I believe some of these companies, they've been doing quite a number of their best. So they've been doing their best to actually, you know, pick up tech individuals, you know, employing tech individuals to, to work with them. But, you know, the first thing is, if we have low number of tech individuals in Nigeria, then they, there's little or nothing they can actually do. Right. That goes so back. that's why I said to the sensitization. Right. To the so sensitization. So we need to grow. Mm-hmm. Yes. So we need to grow to the extent of, you know, when we have where we have a number of people who are inclined in this aspect of IT or that aspect of IT for them to be employable. Right. So I believe that is the major challenge, yes. Okay, that's good to know. That's good to know. I really, really appreciate the time. You've given us great insight. And I'm, you know, you. Um, gonna look into following up on some of the things that you said because you're right. I, you know, you talk about sensitization, but the fact that we all seem to believe that everybody has a, a has a smartphone uh, would indicate that people are aware uh, are deep into this digital digital world that we're in. But you're saying that they may have smartphones, but they don't understand the potential in the digital industry. Yes. Is that what you what, what we're saying? And that they need to be yes. educated as to what the potential yes. is and how they can use it, mm-hmm. as opposed to just um, texting people or going on Twitter <laughs> or Facebook or whatever it is mm-hmm. that, that we do. Yeah, because, for example, why would I choose to hawk bananas on the streets and make maybe 50000 a month when I can be on my smartphone doing something creative for one company or for one individual in the UK or in the US mm-hmm. or wherever in the world and get maybe for a day and get maybe $300 compared to getting 50000 a month. To some Nigerians, it seems too good to be true or it's too long a process to go through. Yeah. Being an entrepreneur so is hard work. Honestly, it is. <laughs> it's hard work. And, Honestly. And yeah, you've got to be persistent. You've got to, as you said, you've got to every, be professional every at every level. Yeah. yeah. What's interesting, though, is, as you said, uh, the competition from India, they call. I can't tell you how many calls a month I get from people from India who want to work uh, on my website or develop this or develop that or whatever. It's a, a lot of calls. They, I guess they must have some system set up. But I guess, Shango, mm-hmm. that's the competition that you as an entrepreneur are well aware of and have to compete with. So what we do to challenge that is for every service that we take up, right. we ensure our quality is top-notch. Right. So when you place an Indian work with a Nigerian work, you can vividly see the difference. Okay. The touch of perfection is just there. Do you make those phone calls, though? Do you do those cold calls? 
Yeah. Yes, actually, I call a number of clients. Mm -hmm. Then what we do on a monthly or, or festive period is we send out emails to clients or we send WhatsApp messages to clients. You know, some clients that we have, them on WhatsApp. Sometimes it could just be a good morning, have a blissful day. Right. Sometimes it could be, oh, we're running a promo. Would you like to take this offer? Then sometimes just to check up on them. So so it doesn't look like, oh, he's always calling me for business. You right. know, when you see a particular number that is always calling you for business, it, it becomes boring. It, yeah. You know, sometimes you just want to bad the number to stop calling you. I, I, listen, so, it's a lot of them. You can almost tell what's coming as soon as you pick up the phone. And it's like, mm -hmm. leave me alone already. But you know what? <laughs> they grow their business. True, true. That way. So I guess that those are some of the things that one has to think about. But you're right. And I think that it's important that you state that there is a difference between what you provide and what some of these flash in the pan folks from these other countries do. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else that we've missed that you want to talk about or have we covered everything here? I think we've covered it for now. Wonderful. I really appreciate this. I've learned an awful lot about Thank what's going so on the ground level. And this, folks, is what's going on the ground level from an entrepreneur who is trying to make it work, who is growing and persistent, even with all the travails of setting up business in Nigeria. Thank you, Shagon. How can listeners contact you? if they're interested in your service. Obviously, I'm going to put it on the website too, but how can they reach you? Okay, we have an email, info at johnsonscode.com.ng. Info at johnsonscode.com.ng. Then we also have a phone number, which is plus two, three, four, Eight one zero zero eight five two eight seven two plus two three four eight one zero zero eight five two eight seven two. Wonderful. Thank you. Wonderful. I look okay. forward to talking to you again. I hope that you can be a guest again on our show and maybe when you reach that next level you can Tell us how you're mm -hmm. getting there. And if you see any other challenges mm -hmm. we can talk about, you'll bring it to our attention. Sure, sure. Thank Thanks. you so much for having me. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can also follow us on Facebook at Eyes on Africa Caribbean and on our website, eyesonafricacaribbean.com. Until next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>